Well, Happy New Year, Generations Church. Um, boy, this is not exactly how we thought we'd start the new year, is it? Uh, but uh, I guess one thing we learned from the previous year is that we have to be ready to be flexible, to adjust, and we remember that, you know what, in all things, the Lord is sovereign and He's in control. So regardless of circumstances, whether uh, I, I'm here, you're there, or it's going to be vice versa, whatever it may be, we're going to be able to enjoy what God is going to do this year. We're excited to see what He's going to do. Um, and, uh, we're, you know, we're just going to trust God in all things that happens. So uh, with that being said, Happy New Year. Hopefully you have a lot to look forward to. Hopefully you enjoyed your Christmas time. And uh, let's, let's, let's just uh, welcome what God has in store for us in the coming year. Uh, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you that in all things, Lord, you are good. That whatever may be going around around us that, uh, that we can't control, that's unpredictable, Lord, you are the constant in our life. And you are faithful and you are good. And Lord, we are here to serve you, to worship you. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you for the new year that you've given us, the new year that's coming. And, and Lord, we're excited to see what you have in store. Lord, I pray as we get into your word today, we pray that you would speak to us. That Lord, your spirit would speak to us, whether we are worshiping in person, we're watching this online, you're hearing this uh, uh, in a future date, Lord God. I pray that your spirit will move in our hearts and we lift this to you and we give you this time, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Now, we often associate a new year with fresh starts, right? New beginnings. There are opportunities to start new habits and maybe even to end old habits. But uh, I want to introduce a, a theme for us as a church for the coming year. A theme that hopefully we will be able to see God uh, carry out through us and in us throughout the year. And that's the theme is called branching out. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a yearly tradition of having a theme for the year, but you know, the Lord places this on my heart, this idea of branching out. And um, as we get into the passage today, I think uh, we'll be able to uh, see what this, this theme is going to be all about. Um, now, if you were to... Uh, if you were to hope to what you can hope to experience for this year, okay, if you can think about something, let's say fast forward a year from now, okay, today is New Year's Eve 2022, and if you could say you hope to have experienced these two things throughout the past year, what would you say? What would you want to say in a year from now that you experienced in 2022? Now, I imagine you can. Think of a lot of different things you can say you experienced throughout the year. Uh, possibly on the top of the list, maybe two things that you hope to have experienced in this past this coming year would be happiness, right, and success. Now, wouldn't you say that if we went throughout the whole year and we experienced happiness throughout the year and success throughout the year, wouldn't you say that would be, that's a pretty good year? Right? We could experience happiness and success throughout the year. Now, we would all love to say that we experience happiness and success, but the key thing is, how do we guarantee it? 
right? Can you imagine if you can guarantee that throughout this year, you can experience happiness and success or prosperity? Would you say that was a good deal? Would you want to say, okay, let me hear. How can we experience happiness and success? Because after all, everyone is in pursuit of happiness, right? We all want to find happiness in some way or form. And we all hope to have success. We all hope to have some form of prosperity, right? So how do we find or experience happiness and success? Now, happiness and success feels great. It's a great experience to have, but it's often short-lived, right? We can pursue happiness, but if we don't experience happiness with a sense of a greater purpose, we could find if we could find that our pursuit is a little leaves us a little wanting, right? I can be happy. I can experience happiness eating a nice meal by myself, right? I whenever I get like a a good plate of I don't know carne asada fries or you know something whatever it may be, I can in that moment experience happiness, but it means nothing to you, right? We can watch our favorite sports team and experience the happiness of a win, but it doesn't mean anything to the opposing team's fans, right? Success, we can experience some level of success, but if it doesn't lead to a positive effect for others, how much does it really mean? Does it mean a whole lot? Is it very satisfying if we can experience success, but no one else is affected in a positive way? So we all want to be happy. We want to have success, but we want to experience happiness and success with a greater purpose. Now, as a church, we all want to be happy with our church, right? We want to experience success as a church. But if we're not making a positive impact for Christ, if we can be happy with our church and, and feel like we're having success, some success as a church, but if we're not making a positive impact for others in the name of Jesus Christ, then it will mean very little how we feel or whatever level of success we think we have. So today we're going to look at a passage that's going to deal with our theme, branching out, and we're going to look at what it means or how we can experience happiness and success, meaningful happiness and success. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read from Psalm chapter 1. And it reads like this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now the psalm here begins with this declaration. And the de declaration is, 
Happy is the person. Blessed is the one. Happy is the person. Now, who doesn't want to be happy, right? We're all searching for happiness. But the question is, who can give us happiness? What will make us happy? Here, here, here's some wise advice. Some wise advice to start off our year. It says, how blessed or happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. In other words, it's saying, be careful who you listen to, who you seek advice from, and who you choose to influence you. Now, that's some great advice to start off this year. How many of you can remember the last time you took some advice or you were burned by someone's advice? Someone you listened to, someone you trusted, and you got burned by it. How many of you can still feel the sting of that advice that you took? You listened to their counsel, but you realize that was some bad advice. See, the influence of others can often be very subtle and affects us suddenly, but also it can affect us gradually. Now look at the progression, or if I can even say regression in verse 1. It says, happy is the person who does not do the following, doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, what does that all mean? We look at walk in the counsel of the wicked. When it says walk, yeah, you can think of it as literally walk, but it also can refer to the manner of life, how you live your life. So, uh, blessed are those who don't live their life according to the advice or the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. Now you may read that and say, well, who defines wicked? How do I know someone is wicked? Who sets that standard for wickedness? Who we can say one is wicked or ungodly? Well, God. God is that standard. God sets the standard of holiness. And he defines the standard for wickedness. See, people go astray when they think they can determine based on, on their desires or where their thinking is. They can determine who is good and who or what is good and what is evil. And people get off track when that's what they follow. They follow their desires. They follow their thinking. And so they feel like they can determine what is good and what is evil. Some of us may have heard the advice, follow your heart. How many of us have heard that before, right? Someone tells you, just follow your heart or do what you feel is right. Is that good advice? Sometimes, right? Sometimes that can be great advice, but that can also be terrible advice if your heart or your feelings are not in line with where God wants us to be. Right? If our heart and our desires are not where God is, is not plugged in with God, then following your heart and following your desires is it going to be the, the exact opposite advice that we should follow. The best advice leads us to the Lord, right? If someone can give us counsel, wise counsel advice leads us to God. 
leads us to the one who we can truly trust, leads us to the one who is um, the, the center of uh, our life, who gives true love, gives us hope, gives us forgiveness. And so if you're listening to voices, voices that are pulling us away from the Lord, keeping you away from God, those are voices that you don't want to hear. He says, blessed is the one who doesn't walk according to the counsel of the wicked, doesn't follow the advice of the ungodly, but nor does they stand in the path of sinners. So if you pattern your life after the advice of sinners, of the ungodly, of the wicked, you will find yourself standing or remaining in the journey or the path of those sinners. You will find yourself talking or taking a stand, I should say, with the ungodly. So picture this. If you're following the counsel, the advice of the ungodly, you will find yourself standing in their path, the direction that they are going in life. I don't know how many of you have stood, stood in a river or maybe you've stood in the ocean have you ever stood in, in a river that has a strong enough current? You can just feel that current start to pull you in a direction. Perhaps you went out in the ocean. If you go deep enough in the ocean, you stand there. What do you feel? You feel that current, right? It starts to move you. And if you're not paying attention, you'll gradually, gradually see yourself moving in the direction of the current. I don't know how many of you have been in a crowded place before and you wanted to go from point A to point B, if you ever try to go in one direction, but the crowd of people is coming the opposite way, and you're trying to navigate through, but you just find yourself getting pushed back by the crowd. See, we end up following who we listen to the most. The advice that we take doesn't just affect the decisions we make. But the advice we listen to, the people we listen to the most, it will start to affect our hearts, starts to affect our desires, and we'll see this trend we see in verse 1 continue. Be careful who you walk with, who you listen to. Be careful who you stand with. And then the third thing it says, blessed are those who don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, what's a scoffer? A scoffer is, is someone who mocks makes fun of someone or something. It's often you're making fun of someone's beliefs, their values, right? Someone who shows disrespect and mocks somebody else. If you follow the advice of the ungodly, you'll find yourself standing amongst them. You'll probably find yourself in the same path that they're headed. And if you're doing so, don't be surprised at some point you find yourself sitting among the scoffers, the ones who are ridiculing the faith, the, one who are, the ones who are looking down on those who are believers in Christ, those who take the Bible literally, those who go to Bible study, those who go to church every week, the ones who scoff at that, who mock at that. Don't be surprised if you find yourself sitting in their position. Social media today has empowered scoffers. They've empowered people who will just freely ridicule somebody else. 
right? One tweet, one post, and millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people can see that. And social media has empowered these kind of voices. And there's so much pressure today on people. So many people want to hear the advice of the ungodly. And they feel like they need to stand among the sinner. And eventually they find themselves sitting among the scoffers. We have to be careful. We can't be naive to think that we can associate with people who are a negative influence on us and feel like we're going to be immune to their effect. We have to be careful that we can't assume that we can listen to people's advice constantly and be around them and not feel like they're going to influence us. Maybe you find yourself. You find yourself listening to voices that you know you shouldn't listen to. They're giving you bad advice. They're giving you bad counsel. Maybe perhaps you find yourself, you recognize you're standing among people. You're going, your, your life is going down a path that you know is not a good path. It's not leading you in the right direction. But you're going with the crowd. Perhaps you even recognize that you've been among the scoffers. You've been among the people who are ridiculing Christianity. They're ridiculing the faith. They're mocking Jesus. And for the sake of not going against the crowd, you find yourself sitting among them. Will this be the year? Will this be the year that you recognize, you know what, I need to make some changes. I need to make some changes in my life. Now, what does the alternative look like? Verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Notice, happy is a person who delights in the instruction of the Lord. I think we can synonymously include the word of God with the instruction or law of the Lord, right? The person who delights in God's word, in his instruction, he meditates on his word. He ponders on God's word. He speaks God's word. And he does so day and night. In other words, he does it continuously. Happy is the one who takes pleasure in thinking of God's word. Listening to God's word. How many of you can say you enjoy hearing your parents' instructions? Any of you can say that? Do you ever come home after school and you want to sit mom and dad down and say, Mom, Dad, can we sit down and can you just give me some advice? Can you just talk with me? Can you instruct me on my life? How many of you do that? I don't know if I see any hands, right? It's actually, you know, many people do. Many people enjoy hearing their parents' instruction. They love sitting down and talking with them, but many don't. Many don't, many don't want to hear. They don't want to hear their parents' instruction. They don't want to hear what they have to say. They feel like, you know what? I'm going to hear something that I don't want to hear, so I don't want to hear it. 
right? I think many people have the same idea with God and His Word. I don't want to hear God's Word because I'm afraid I'm going to hear something I don't want to hear. I'll hear God's Word when I hear something that I like, that I want to hear. See, at the point of our relationship with God, do we have a relationship with God where we truly desire to hear His Word? That we can enjoy being in His Word? I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your time, in your devotion time, or in your time of study, where you enjoy being in the Word of God. It's just like, you know, I'm just enjoying reading and I'm enjoying hearing God speak to my heart and to my mind. Can you imagine if we had such a relationship with God that we delight in the Lord's instruction? We delight in His Word. What would that look like? What kind of picture, what, what can we think of when it says we delight in God's instruction? Well, here, look what we say, what we see in verse 3. It says, and he will be this person who delights in the law of the Lord, who delights in God's instruction, who meditates on it day and night. It says, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Think about that. The person to meditate day and night in God's word is like, being planted like a tree by the channels of water. The one who meditates day and night is like a tree planted by a channel of water. I don't know how many of you have ever seen trees near water. Trees that have a constant flow of water usually have these huge, huge roots, extending roots. Sometimes you see it over the ground, sometimes it's underground. But usually those trees near water have these huge roots that extend. And these roots provide security, constant nourishment, right? The person who delights in God's word, who meditates on his word constantly, is like a tree planted by water, whose roots are secure and is plentiful. And this tree produces fruit in its season and never withers. A tree that's always producing fruit and never withers. Now, I'll share a quick story. Jamie, for one, one year for my birthday, surprised me with a hot air balloon ride. Now, this was big because she's scared of heights. And so, but she, she surprised me with a hot air balloon ride. And so we took a hot air balloon ride over the skies of Temecula. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. You saw the sun's sunrise and everything. One of my favorite parts of that ride is they took us just low enough and just above this orange grove, all these orange trees. And you can just, I remember smelling the oranges as we approached the trees. It was an amazing experience. It's something I never experienced before. I didn't realize the smell of oranges can be so strong just right above the trees. And I, I imagine when I read this verse, I imagine being amongst all those fruitful trees that was producing oranges. And the aroma was so sweet. 
And I think of that, and I see this description, the person who's in God's word is fruitful. It produces fruit, and it's sweet-smelling. Can you imagine that? That you being in the word of God can be evident by those around you. See, just as the trees by the water is constantly nourished, the person who continuously meditates on his word will continuously prosper. It will continuously bear fruit. Now, the psalmist provides a contrasting picture of those who oppose God's word. In verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in this judgment or the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked mentioned in verse 1 and 2, they're contrary to the one who delights in the Lord's instruction. Here it says they're like chaff blown by the wind. What's chaff? Chaff is the parts of the grain stalk, right? That after the wheat gets being down, it gets blown away by the winds. See, the wicked is the opposite of the one who delights in the, uh, of, delights in the word of, of God. The wicked is the opposite of stable. They're blown away, continuously driven away by whatever they hear. Every trend, every whim, every desire of their hearts, they're driven by those things. Unstable. Solomon says something interesting in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. He speaks on the pursuit of life's pleasures in verse 9 of Ecclesiastes 2. He says, Then I became great and increased more than all preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me, and all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased. Because all of my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon understood, and he experienced something very Significant, very profound. He pursued his heart's desire. There was nothing his heart desired that he couldn't get. And yet after all that pursuit, he found it like chasing the wind. It was vanity, unstable, unfulfilling. The psalmist says in verse 5, that the wicked and the sinners will not stand in the judgment and assembly of the righteous, their way will perish, will be destroyed. It will vanish. I want to take us to another passage in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. Here God is speaking to an adulterous generation. He's speaking to Judah. And, and here the prophet uses a similar picture. We see God speaking a, a similar picture with this tree. In verse 5 of chapter 7 of Jeremiah. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he'll be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes. 
but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water, that extends its roots by a stream, and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Again, we see here in Jeremiah, like we do in Psalms, there's a contrast of two types of people. In Psalm 1, we had those who delight in the Lord, the Lord's instruction. And then we had the wicked, the sinner, the scoffer, right? Here we have two types of people. We have those who place their trust in people or in themselves and those who trust in the Lord. In verse 5, it says, Cursed is the man. Some strong language here from God. Cursed is the man whose trust is in mankind or in people. He makes their flesh their strength. They rely on their own strength, their own abilities. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. Their inner person, their conscience, their desires, it turns away from the Lord. See, here we see a similar threefold pattern that we saw in Psalms 1. In Psalms 1, it was a warning against those who walk, who stand, who sit among sinners. The first caution was about those who you listen to. But here, here's a second caution, and it's about those who you trust. And this is a common pattern we can experience. If you place your, your trust or your confidence in people, if you look to your own strength, your own abilities, you rely on your own strength alone, you will find that your heart wanders away from the Lord. Right? If you place your trust and confidence in people, if you rely on your own strength alone, then you will find that your heart will begin to wander from the Lord. Why? Because we, when we focus on ourselves. It takes away our focus from the Lord. It's almost every time. We focus so much on ourselves, we're, we're, we're looking inward, our eyes aren't focused on the Lord. He says, verse 6, For he will be like a bush in the desert, will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Here the picture of the cursed person is, he, he's placed, who placed her confidence in people and in their own strength. This picture is one of destitution, a bush in the desert. What's the contrasting image? Look at verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream, will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. See, we can see this parallel picture from Psalms 1. The same picture describes a tree planted by a constant source of water. Its roots extends into the stream. So here we see in Jeremiah, trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. What happens to this with this person? 
No fear when heat comes. No anxiety in times of drought. There's no lack of production. Now, wouldn't this be great to experience this year? Can you imagine when the heat comes? There's no fear. When trials come this year, we're not going to be afraid. In times of need, we're not going to feel anxious. We're going to always be producing fruit. Wouldn't that be amazing to say we can experience throughout this year that when all these trials come, we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to feel anxious. We're not going to be in need. Look at the contrast. The bush in the desert to a tree planted by streams of water. A barren wilderness or fruitful, enduring fruit. Which one would you want to have? Which one would you want to experience? Let's put Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17 together. Let's put these two passages together, these pictures together. Here in Psalm 1, we have the wicked. The wicked contrasts with the one who delights in the Lord's instruction. The cursed in Jeremiah 17, they place their confidence and trust in people, in themselves, and turns their heart away from the Lord. The wicked and the cursed, they're like the chaff, blown by the wind, going after whatever desires they have, unstable. They're like the bush in the barren desert. Contrast to them, you have those who delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord's instruction. They meditate on his word continuously. These are blessed. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. The Lord is their trust. It's not their own strength. It's not other people. Now you see these two pictures here. Maybe you're thinking, what does this have to do with our church? What does this have to do with our theme for the coming year? I love this image of a growing, thriving tree. A fruitful tree planted by the waters. The roots are constantly being nourished. The roots are strong and it extends and it provides an anchor and support and is continuously producing fruit. Branches are being are growing on top of branches and the fruit does not wither. The source of nourishment is constant. Constant nourishment allows branches to grow strong. Branches grow on branches that produce fruit. I envision this year be a year of growth, branching out, extending our ministries, nourishing our ministries, ministries, ministries being strengthened in order to produce fruit. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't we all be happy throughout this year if we can see constant growth, spiritual growth, being anchored in the word. Can you imagine in a year from now, New Year's Eve 2022, we can look back and say, wow, 
We can see how our ministries have grown, have strengthened, how we are able to branch out, not only in our ministries, but branch out to those who need the Lord. I think we can all say we would love to be able to say that in a year from now. And if we want to experience this, if we want to experience this growth, we need to be intentional and deliberate in our own life. We have to, in our own life, say, I want to delight in the word of the Lord. I want to meditate on his word day and night. I want to trust in the Lord. The Lord is going to be my trust. Notice Jeremiah, he says, when the heat comes and times of drought arise, the tree remains productive and enduring. When sickness comes, sickness has hit our church. There's people who are, who are testing positive. There's not, they're not feeling well. And on top of just lasting health issues that have happened for a while, it hits. As I mentioned, we'd be naive to think that we're not going to face trials. We're not going to face hardship. Can you imagine if we can say throughout this year, these things happened and I was not afraid. I am not going to be afraid of a virus. I'm not going to be afraid of sickness. I'm not going to be afraid of times of need. I'm not going to be afraid when stress is coming up and making my life feel small and I'm feeling squished by it. Because my roots are planted in the word. I'm constantly being nourished by the word of God. Instead of listening to the voices that are leading me astray, I'm hearing the sweet words of God. Words of truth. Words of encouragement. Words of love. Words of wisdom. Again, we can't do this effectively as a church if we're not willing to practice this at home. Two things that I would love for us, I don't know if you do, you're into New Year's resolutions, but some resolutions, some things to put on the top of your list, two things. One, delight in the Lord's instruction. Be in the word, meditate upon it more. Spend time in the word more this year. And the second thing, trust in the Lord in times of uncertainty. And hardship. When you feel like doubting God, when you feel like questioning God, trust Him. Lastly, I'll end with this. Some things to marinate on based on these passages. Some words of wisdom from these, these passages in Psalm and Jeremiah. One, filter the voices that you rely on. If you find yourself listening to voices you shouldn't, Filter those voices out. Secondly, filter the voices with the Word of God. The Word of God is more reliable than even our feelings or our thoughts, let alone the words of others. Third, prepare for hardship and adversity. Prepare for hardship and adversity for this year by strengthening your relationship and your closeness with God. If you focus on getting close with the Lord, it'll prepare you in times of hardship, times of trials that may come this year. And lastly, 
Let God sustain you through that hardship and adversity. Let him sustain you. Be intentional in your relationship with Jesus. Draw closer to him. Delight in him and trust in him. I pray that this year we will be able to branch out, strengthen our ministry, strengthen who we are as a church, but that we can branch out into people who need the Lord beyond our walls, beyond our comfortable circles. And may what God is doing in us produce fruit and branch out and extend to those who need the Lord. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just lift up this year to you. Lord, there's going to be things that we're not going to be expecting. The heat's going to come. Drought may come. Trials may come. Hardship may come. But Lord, may we be found with roots extended in the waters. May we delight in your word. May we meditate on your word day and night. May we find ourselves trusting in you, that you will be our trust, Lord God. That when all these things happen in our lives, we will not wither, but we will be found growing, our branches extending out and producing fruit, Lord. We lift this year to you. May it be your year, Lord God, working in us, working through us, Lord. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.